Thank you. Oh, that's more voice than I had earlier. You're going to have to just tune in a little bit extra. And the reason why I'm still coming up here is because following on from what Maddie said, I just really feel like this word is for us at the moment. And so I'm going to push through and I hope you push through hearing my gross voice. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Craig ended the Happy Place series. It was a really great series about friendships. And we looked at this diagram. In the middle is our core friendships. The outside are just, just friends. And then that even further out are our acquaintances. And a thought came to mind of where is God placed on that diagram for you at the moment? Is He in the middle? In the core where your closest friendships are that are growing you? Or has He drifted out to become an acquaintance? And um, that was really challenging for me. And I'm speaking to myself today too, so I need this message just as much as you do. Um, the Happy Place series was all about friendship. But our friendship with God is important as well. And to live the best life, He needs to be in that core. And we've heard about growing our roots deep so that we can reach wide. And how our core friends have the ability to aid that growth. And God is the best friend to do that. You see, our root system is unseen. It's what happens in the quiet place. It happens underneath the ground where people aren't watching. It happens in our personal lives after we wake up, before we go to bed at night. What we mutter under our breath, the thoughts we think, and what we pray in times of desperation. And what happens in our quiet place determines how strong we are in storms and it also determines what happens in the public place. And you can see it in trees that are on the shoreline. I look at the Pohutukawa trees on the coast and they have really strong roots that have held them through the storms and they might look a bit wonky on the surface but they haven't fallen over. And deepening friendships require time time together, conversations, and growing those deep roots of connection. And there's a saying that whatever you focus your words on will grow. When we focus our words on God and give Him praise, our root system grows, our connection with God grows. And if He's an acquaintance at the moment, He steadily starts moving to become a core relationship in our lives. And so what happens in a quiet place determines what happens also in the public place. And we're going to look at, if I have enough voice, we're going to look at two people in the Bible who are great examples of that. And the first one is Mary. I actually feel great. It's just my voice that sounds weird. So don't worry about me. I'm good. It just sounds weird. And the first one's Mary. So when Mary was visited by the angel and she was asked to carry the saviour of the world, it was a quiet moment. No one else knew about it. And the secret that Mary and Joseph held through Jesus' childhood, the, um, the backlash they faced, the people who didn't believe them, that was 
while was growing their roots deep. And that happened quietly before his identity was revealed to the public. That's what I mean about our roots affecting what happens in the public place. If they hadn't had their roots set deep, then they wouldn't have been asked to become Jesus' parents. And who knows what would have happened to the ministry of Jesus. And that's the journey that shaped them to handle what happened in Jesus' ministry and what happened to him on the cross. They were silently growing a robust root system. And I think even before Mary was asked to carry Jesus, she seemed to have a really great friendship with God because there was had to be something, a reason why God chose her. And so in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, Mary actually sang a song after the angel came to her. And it's really beautiful. And I'm probably not going to read it all. But it's up there. You can go back and look at it later. But there are two things that struck me about that. And her words flowed from her heart so beautifully. It's like she knew God so well that it came just naturally to thank and glorify Him. And considering that Jewish women at that time, they weren't even allowed to touch the Bible, let alone read it. She knew two really vital things to friendship with God. And we're going to talk about those. And the first one is holiness. In the middle there somewhere, she says, holy are you, God. And holiness is commonly defined as being separate or set apart. And God is holy and that He is set apart from everything that is not God. He is supremely and exclusively God. He has no rivals. He is uniquely excellent and He is in His own category. That's what holiness is. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you, it says in First Samuel chapter 2, verse 2. And if we look at holiness like the sun... It's pure and it's powerful and it's more intense, kind of like that diagram before. It's more intense the closer that you get to the sun, right? And that's what God's holiness is like. The closer that we get to God, the more intense His presence is. And that's why in the temple, they built different sections of the temple. And in the Holy of Holies, there were only certain people who could go in there. And they even tied rope to their, with bowels to their legs because the holiness of God could sometimes kill them. And so they'd drag them. If they didn't hear the bowels anymore, they would drag them out of the Holy of Holies. And so the presence of God is so powerful, it can overpower our bodies. And that's why you may have seen people who get prayed for and they might shake or um, they might fall over or even look a little bit drunk. It's because the holiness of God's presence is so powerful that our bodies can't handle it. And it's overwhelming, but in a really good way. And so that's one thing that Mary understood. She understood the holiness of God. She understood what a privilege it was to be asked to house this baby, this holy child. And the second thing she understood is the fear of God. I mean, the fear of God is a continual commitment and submission to God and humility and faith. And it's being so for God that anything that isn't of God um, 
is not for you. There's a hatred of anything that is evil. And there's a desire to turn away from it. And so I see it almost as a direct response to holiness. Because holiness is where we are. Holiness is being uniquely set apart. And the fear of God is a desire to be set apart uniquely for God. And so those are two really important things that are a foundation of our friendship with God when we understand those things. Worship is easy when we understand those things. People don't have to get up on the stage and encourage you to worship. It's just a natural response because there is no one like God. He is set apart. There is nothing that compares to His power and His excellence. And when we understand that it takes our reverence for Him to another level, it takes our appreciation for God to different heights and it deepens our devotion and our friendship with Him. And where we keep God's holiness at the forefront of our minds and we glorify Him accordingly, that's when he'll be in the core of our relationships. And another person who understood that is David. Now David spent years in the field as a shepherd. And what did he do while he was out there? He worshipped the Lord. And that led him to great encounters that we know so well. His personal worship fueled the Psalms and all the beautiful songs that we sing now. His personal relationship with God was how he knew that he could defeat Goliath. It's what prepared him. It confirmed his identity and it gave him the confidence and the courage to walk out and face a giant because he knew that God is holy and when he had that holy God on his side, there was nothing that could stop him. And there are three things about his personal worship that I want to talk about. His personal worship was humble. He was a humble, broken worshipper. In Psalm chapter 51, verse 16 to 17, it says, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You, O God, will not despise. And like Mary, David understood God's holiness and he had a reverent fear of God and also repentance. This passage came um, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and even though he sinned, he repented and he came to God broken because he knew how important his relationship with God was. And he knew that only God could restore him. Oh, Hello. And the second thing, he was a broken worshipper, but he was also a focused worshipper. Um, in Psalm chapter 63, verse 1 to 5, he's crying out to God. And he's saying, I lift up my hands to you. I will be fully satisfied by you, God. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's up there. And, and in this moment, he was being pursued by an enemy. And I think it was actually his son, Absalom, who wanted the throne, and so he was trying to kill his father. But no matter the distractions that came David's way, he was focused on worshipping God and seeking his face. Why? Because he knew that 
God was the only solution. And that's where his help was going to come from. Thirdly, he was a passionate worshipper. It's one of our values here that we would be passionate in praise. And we can look at David as an example of this. Um, There's a scripture. I'm not going to read it. Go and read it later. But he was basically dancing in his undies. Seriously. Like an ephod is like your undergarments. And he was dancing before the Lord and he didn't care who saw. He didn't care who was around him. And people thought he was crazy, but he didn't care because he really embodies this quote that says, the more God-conscious we are, the less self-conscious we will be. And that's something to remember here in the house of God. Sometimes we're so self-conscious, it stops us from giving God the worship he deserves. And it's heartbreaking, actually, that we let that get in the way of our relationship and our love for God. That's the goal, to be so God-conscious that we are no longer self-conscious of what other people think of us. That we don't care if we raise our hands, we don't care if we sing flat. Gosh, I might be here like this, because I don't care, because I'm talking about God, and it's really important. And being those three things, being broken and focused and passionate, is what builds a lifestyle of worship, and that's what David and Mary knew. They had incorporated worship into their lives so that it was just a natural rhythm. And it happens in the quiet place where nobody is around. Corporate worship is not the only kind. Our band puts in time and they practice songs for us to be able to come into his presence and worship, but we shouldn't rely on it. We can worship in our own times. We can worship in our undies like David did. And we are so privileged, actually, to be able to stand in his presence. Like I talked about the temple earlier. Because of Jesus making us pure, we actually get to be in his presence one-to-one. In the Bible, in the temple, they had to go to God secondhand. They had to give their sacrifices, and then entrust the Holy of Holies to the priest. But we have a privilege that we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to sacrifice animals and all of that kind of stuff. We just get to come into his presence. We have it so easy. Yet sometimes it's so hard for us to worship. And it comes back to the holiness of God. We don't need to be represented by someone else anymore. We don't have to have a second-hand encounter. God doesn't have grandchildren. He has children. That means we come to him one-to-one. We don't have to go through anyone, and we shouldn't go through anyone. We can live out our own relationship with him, and that's how we make him be in the core of the relationships that we have where he needs to be. So I feel like The more God-conscious we are, the less self-conscious we'll be. And the more that we worship him and get to know him, the more we're going to put him in his rightful place in our lives. And worship is how we live our everyday lives. It's how we choose to spend them, the quiet moments. It's how we breathe. 
I heard this call. Hopefully they ask it at quiz night. I heard this fact about whales. And one of the main reasons why they die, can you guess, is by drowning. But they live in the sea. How can they drown? They actually need the air above the sea as well. And they don't just come out of the water so we can take pictures and videos and watch them. They actually need to come above the water to stay alive. And if they don't, they'll drown. Who would have thought that a whale could drown? Well, we're the same if you think about it. We live here on earth, but we still need to come up and meet God for air, to breathe and to be sustained. And when we don't, we will drown. There's so much in this world that's drowning us. Debt, success, the pursuit of money, grief, depression, anxiety, work, busyness, loneliness, a whole bunch of other things. And I think it's because we've forgotten that we need to come up for breath. We need to come up and spend time in his presence so he can breathe into us to equip us to go about our lives. Whales come up for air periodically and so do we. And that's daily worship, daily prayer. And that's what builds our relationship with God and deepens that friendship with him. And your quiet time in the shower. Can I get the band up? While you're working outside, while you're walking in nature, while you're mowing the lawns, we're stuck in traffic. Who knows we spend like way too much time stuck in traffic here. When our heart is to pursue God with everything we have, we'll make those moments count. And this is a challenge for me as well. Can someone grab me a tissue? And we could see it in the places that David worshipped as well. He, David worshipped in the field where no one was watching while he was looking after sheep. He then got the opportunity to worship in Saul's court and he knew that the presence of God could help Saul when he was tormented by evil spirits and he knew that when he played the harp that it was going to help. And his worship in the field didn't change when he got to the palace, he still worshipped God the same way. He remained humble and focused and passionate. And if he hadn't learned and practiced how to worship in the fields while he tended those sheep, he probably wouldn't have known how to worship in the palace and when he became king. So what does your personal worship look like? Do you worship in your personal time at all? Do we need to come up for air like the whale does to breathe in his presence? Are you drowning? Do we need to be more God conscious and less self conscious? Do you need to be humble and focused and passionate and bright in worship? And that's how we will build that friendship with God so he becomes a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so. Today we're going to play and we're going to go back into worship. But what is God speaking to you about? What do you need to act on today? Do you need to come out the front and worship? Do you need to come out and say, God, I'm so sorry I've let you become an acquaintance. And I want you to be a friend. I want you to be the closest friend. 
because I know I'll be down here. It's easy to let the world get in the way and let our friendship with God slip. But I don't want him to be an acquaintance anymore. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? And if you're like me and you don't want him to be an acquaintance anymore, then raise your hands to heaven. It's actually scientifically proven when you raise your hands above your head that it lowers your cortisol levels. So let's get less stressed at the same time. But God, we come in awe of you, in awe of your holiness, Lord. And we say we want you to be the closest relationship in our lives. We worship you for who you are. You are uniquely set apart. And God, we want to be set apart for you. And so today, we focus on you so that we focus less on ourselves. We put aside all the things that have held us back from a true, deep friendship with you. And we choose to worship you today. So I don't know, maybe you're drowning. Maybe you need, maybe you need to breathe if that's you. Just take some big deep breaths and I believe that God wants to breathe into your life right now. God, we breathe in your presence right now. And I just believe as people are breathing you in, that all of the things that they're drowning in will wash away. They're going to break off, God. We break off debt. We break off worry and depression. And we focus on you this morning, God. Help us to put you in your rightful place. Holy God. Come on, let's worship him.